the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's day March 14th, 2023. I am Seth Leapson. 602-508-0960 is the phone number. Using the proper telephone cadence, 602-508-0960. That is your barrier to entry to be a part of this show. Ramesh Panuru, who is the editor of National Review, writes in the Washington Post this morning that, quote, socialism is in retreat in the Democratic Party, close quote. I was curious about that headline and thesis, and it turns out it's all very mechanical and technical about how Democrats have gone somewhat more silent on national health care and Medicare for all. It's about little else, except he makes a point that Bernie Sanders is no longer ascendant in the Democratic Party and that his heyday, when you think about it, was quite some time ago, 2016. I think we should take a hard pause on drinking this kind of hopium. Almost any party member is going to be a bit more quiet when a member of their party is in the presidency. After all, when's the last time anybody heard of Cory Booker? But if Bernie, the self-declared socialist, is not ascendant, which means moving upward, it's because he's landed. Bernie Sanders, Socialist Vermont, is the chairman of the United States Senate's Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Few committees are more powerful outside of judiciary and foreign relations in the United States Senate. Consider yourself a radical who wanted to transform the country. Where would you start? Education? Employment? Health? Of course that's where you'd start. Few things affect our culture and our economy and thus our politics more than those areas, and he is the chairman of the committee that oversees them. Don't for a moment, please, think socialism is on the wane in the Democratic Party. When I was in college, there were zero socialists in Congress. Today, there are at least five, at minimum. When there was a Cold War abroad, we did not import and infuse the ideology of our international enemies and opponents here. Since that victory in the Cold War, we have. We have absorbed, adopted, and implanted more and more of it. And interestingly, if you look at the polling on this question, favorability towards socialism has increased primarily in the age cohort of young adults by about 10 points over the past few years to a full 50% of that age group now supportive of socialism. If you look at the prospective Democratic candidates for president, there are two questions to ask. If Bernie Sanders were president, how would the Biden administration look or its policies be any different than they are today? Question two, if there is one state that is failing more than any other with not only mass exodus, but mass economic stagnation, mass crime, mass chronic homelessness, mass regulation and mass infrastructure and environmental deconstruction, what state would you identify first? The answer is California, and it is that state's governor presiding and doubling down on all that who is seen as the most likely next candidate for the presidency of the United States in the Democratic Party. 
He is a governor who presided over the most rigorous and adamantine COVID lockdowns and shutdowns, the governor most gracious to the powerful teachers' unions, and the governor most hip to the cultural normatives of the left, from woke ideology to the appeasement of the ethics of the UC Berkeley Sociology Department. This is all small ball and temporary politics, of course. What I'm wanting to get at is the much greater wholesale socialism of and in the Democratic Party. As many of you know, one of my concerns about our ongoing contest with China is not its invasion of our skies or of our allies, but its invasion of our brains and ideology and our accepting and adoption of so much of it, making China's ideology our own. I was taken this morning by a post from Lily Tang Williams. She writes, I'm going to quote her at length. I am a survivor of Mao's cultural revolution. Here are some of his revolution features and tactics. You can judge for yourself if these look similar with today's American woke cultural revolution. One, Mao started a cultural revolution to purge his political enemies and become a supreme leader to control the entirety of China. Two, his campaign slogan, destroy the four olds, traditional ideas, culture, habits, and customs. Three, Arbitrary division of society by using critical class theory and identity politics by dividing people into two groups, the oppressors and the oppressed. Four, quasi-religious indoctrination of urban youth. Red guards shut down schools for years for them to do class struggle full time, promote division, hatred, envy, and equity. Five, toppling down statues, putting big posters and spray paintings on the walls, riots, looting, violence, law enforcement told to stand down. Six, the changing of school and street names, changing words and definitions, censoring words, burning relics, temples and churches, demonizing all the religions as cults, promoting communism as the sole ideology, and Mao as a godlike leader. Seven, Struggle sessions, public shaming and denouncing, self-criticizing, apologizing, thought reform education camps for the black classes. Eight, guilty at birth by relationship, by association, past words, deeds, lose jobs if you don't comply, silence being violence. Nine, family and neighbors turning on each other, children telling we're told parents are not dearer than Mao, urging teens to change last names, to cut ties with their black class families, to show loyalty the revolution. 10. Redefining of social norms, promoting unisex, genderless society, girls dressed like boys and soldiers, create confusion and social chaos, banned dating in schools. 11. Press and media controlled by the CCP and used for propaganda daily, canceling out individual merits, silencing dissenting voices from all professions, banning books, songs, music, art, and comedies that were not politically correct. 13 using mob tactics of fear, intimidation, torture, and violence. No rule of law. 20 million deaths, many committed suicide, including intellectuals and party officials who supported the regime. Now, of course, not all of the foregoing fits neatly or perfectly, but where it does not, do you see the harbingers and analogs here? Look around. Because as an open society, we are more susceptible to alien doctrines than our closed societies. And it is these very alien doctrines that have swept through the classrooms and the boardrooms and the rest of our culture. And those street sweepers have one political party here in America, the party of Biden, the party of Newsom, the party 
of Bernie Sanders. But it's more than just our classrooms and our boardrooms. It's our newsrooms, the film production rooms, the publishing houses, and for God's sakes, the NFL and the military. Let us not forget the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the military saying to the U.S. House of Representatives, quote, I've read Mao Zedong. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend, close quote. Might be the worst quote I've heard from a person in the military since General George Casey speaking on Fort Hood. I'm glad the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has read Mao and Marx. Nobody reads Lenin. I'm guessing he was not speaking the truth. But one would have hoped the man entrusted with our military defense would read Marx and Mao to understand the countries we are here. Presumably he is here to defend against. You don't read Mao and Marx to understand America, as he said. You read them to understand the critique of America. You read them to understand the rioters and the fifth columnists in America. You read Hamilton and Madison and Jefferson and Lincoln to have a situational understanding about this country we are here to defend. You read Marx and Mao to understand why rioters would topple Hamilton's and Madison's and Jefferson's and Lincoln's statues. You read Mao and Marx to understand why a company like Disney promotes a video that says Lincoln did not free the slaves. You read Marx and Mao to understand what is going on in our nation's schools and curriculum. I'm not saying the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff should be involved in our culture wars. Not at all. I am saying the culture wars are near lost and America is lost at sea when the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff sounds like a sociology professor from Harvard and thinks the culture war is part and province and duty to fight. And looking around what is taking place in our schools as well as our Pentagon, where boys can be girls and girls can be boys in schools while being secreted from their parents, where children are taught to be ashamed of how they were born or their racial makeup, where children pornography, where child pornography is taught while dressing it up as important child development, where the U.S. military is disseminating manuals on how women should be able to bunk with men and vice versa, where America is taught to be the problem of the world rather than the answer to the world's problems, where constitutional rights are violated with impunity and the government pressures the media to become its press office, where we have an invasion at our southern border, an invasion in our airspace, life expectancy going down, education scores going down, drug use and drug deaths going up. Well, you'll forgive me if I don't accept Ramesh Panuru's premature obituary for socialism in the Democratic Party, because Bernie Sanders is not mouthing off about health care much these days. By the way, offer Sanders an interview on it, and guess what? He most certainly will. The point is this. Rest is not the same as retreat. And right now, Bernie, like Booker, may be at rest, but they are not, I promise, in retreat. I'm Seth Leibson. 602-508-0960. The problem with this song is it creates an endless earworm every time I hear it for the rest of the day. I guess that doesn't make it endless, but for the rest of the day, uh, Havana Daydreaming. I don't know why. It just it doesn't do it for you? Okay, good. Um, I think it was Ronald Reagan who first popularized the notion that I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me, which is a, a clever notion. Um, 
to be true and to be sure. And unfortunately, I think a lot of uh, Republicans who are not quite that studied in the Republican Party's history or the conservative movement's history have adopted some phraseology akin or analogous to that, saying when they leave the Republican Party, I didn't leave the Republican Party, the Republican Party left me. And I was talking with some friends uh, earlier today about this. We sometimes, I think, tend to confuse perhaps scholars or political leaders as representations of the entire warp and woof of the party or the movement. Um, I think, uh, for example, uh, one might say that we esteem very highly the scholarship of uh, the economist Milton Friedman. But where occasionally Republicans don't support his entire abstract on free trade, that does not mean it's a departure for the Republican Party. You look at everything from Hamilton to Coolidge, let us say, Hamilton, Lincoln, Coolidge, uh, even, 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 yes, Ronald Reagan, and here and there the imposition of tariffs and not exactly Milton Friedman-type free trade is uh, strongly to be found within elements of the party and in our history. Uh, a person, a scholar, a beacon is not the entire party. You may think that we left Milton Friedman if you disagree with some of those policies, perhaps. But it doesn't mean that uh, the party left you. It doesn't mean Milton Friedman left you. You just find that there was a departure from someone you like. But if you take a look at the founding of the Republican Party from 1856 really forward, you will find that it has been a very consistent party on the big issues. And theoretically, we as conservatives and we as Republicans care about the big issues. First and foremost, the sanctity of our country and its founding principles. Uh, the Democratic Party platforms over the years have been much more, shall we say, vacillating. And so I think that there can still be a whole lot of truth to people saying, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me. But I would challenge and leave open to listener uh, comment, question, Collins, those who think at any point that the Republican Party they have come to know, no matter what Bill Crystal or CNN tries to force down your throats or in your heads, has actually departed from its major principles, no matter the leader, the presidency, or the um, leadership that has been steering it for uh, at least 200 years up until today. Brings me to an interesting New York Post piece today uh, uh, by, written by one Maud Marin. I don't know if you've heard about this earlier today. Uh, she describes herself as an education advocate and a former Democratic Party congressional candidate. The title of the piece, by Democrats, B-Y-E, by Democrats, I'm leaving the party that disgracefully supports censorship. Uh, we have seen a lot of these kinds of departures, haven't we? It is of some interest that two, two primary candidates for the presidency in the last eight years have left the Democratic Party in which they ran for the presidency, Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. I'm having a hard time thinking of a Republican who has run for president that left the Republican 
party in the last, let's say, I don't know, 40 years. But in any event, um, the New York Post piece by this Maude Marin, the latest House subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government hearing was the final straw. I can no longer be a Democrat after watching my party of three decades ignore the serious implications of vast governmental censorship and desperately, sometimes comically, trying to shoot the messengers. Last week's hearing was meant to take testimony on the implications of government censorship reported in the Twitter files, a series of articles released on social media outlining the censorship industrial complex. But what it actually did was draw an astonishingly clear distinction between today's Democrats and Republicans when it comes to our most fundamental and important right, freedom of speech. After Elon Musk purchased Twitter, he gave several journalists an open invitation to look at the company's internal emails. They discovered and exposed a truly shocking number of politicians and government agencies' requests to censor, silence, and deplatform and deamplify every single day. Everyday Americans who expressed ideas the government did not like. Important words, those. It should be one of the biggest stories of a generation. Uncovering the government's coordinated efforts to violate the First Amendment rights of so many Americans. Let me pause on that point and remind that I don't think, I don't think there is an adult in America under the age of 70 who doesn't remember being taught about the exposure of FBI and CIA overreach in the 1960s and 1970s, J. Edgar Hoover's excesses, Pro, and the church committee hearings. We were all taught about those. We were all taught about those in our textbooks and in our classrooms and sometimes in references in the media or even in the news. That's how big a story it was in the 60s and 70s to be taught into the 80s and into the 90s. I'll return to Maud Marin's piece, but with few exceptions, she writes, the mainstream media have ignored the reporting or re- ridiculed the, f- the factually undisputed reports of large-scale government censorship, the kind most Americans would have told you does not happen in our country. I'm going to come back to all this in a few moments. I am Seth Leibson, 602 are you Are you getting rid of me with Ranchero music? Is that what you're doing here? Okay. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. For those of you on hold, I will get to you in just a moment. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website where you can learn more about him, his organization, and reach out to him. He also has a radio show heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you so much. You like this weather? Uh, I guess we're getting some rain coming in, though, huh? Oh, are we? I, I think tomorrow it's at about a 90% chance. I probably I didn't need you to tell me that. You know why? I washed my car today. so You know, yeah. I was I really <laughs> wanted to do that. I think 90% chance of rain tomorrow, it says. Gonna, we'll see. <laughs> Thank you very much for getting yes. your car washed. Yes, you betcha. Thank you, John. <laughs> hey, I'll pick up on something from yesterday we were talking about um, with the, the issue was with Silicon Valley Bank. Yes, insurance. So most depositors you were mentioning and a lot of us know are insured by the FDIC up to $250,000. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in deposits. You said that in your industry, it's a little bit different, yeah. or there at least is something analogous worth mentioning. Yeah, I so I, to let you do that for those uh, who have investments out there. You know, whether it's with some of the major big firms, whatever it may be out there. Uh, we, we clear through a company uh, with our stocks and our bonds and mutual funds and our securities. We clear through a company called Pershing. And whenever we open an account, there's usually what's called a sweep account or a cash account, and that's where money is kept, excess dollars. So if you bring in so – someone puts a million dollars in their account. Yeah. Uh, that money goes into the cash account first, and then eventually over time we'll allocate that into some, some form of an investment strategy based on the client's needs and their risk tolerance and time horizon and so forth. Um, but there's always usually some money left over in the cash account, uh, and that cash uh, oftentimes um, it earns interest. It's like a, a money market type of an account. It does have an FDIC insurance to it, uh, and in this case, uh, Pershing, what they do is they will actually take, if you have more than $250,000 in there, they will actually uh, – Put that in different banks. Okay. Uh, anything above 250, and, and again, anything above the next 250, and the next 250, up to 2.5 million dollars. Oh, so clients of ours who have cash in accounts are protected up to 2.5 million dollars uh-huh. in the, for that cash. So it's a little different than a bank account. Yeah. Uh, but I would recommend anyone out there who uh, has investments with high cash values in those investment accounts just verify that with your. Uh, advisor or with the firm that holds the money, how that money is protected. Mm-hmm. You just want to just obviously just to cover yourself yeah, and just advice. so you understand it. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, one other issue I wanted to run by you uh, having to do with the recently uh, revealed uh, Joe Biden budget. Uh, Art Laffer is making the point that the capital gains tax that's being proposed could actually rise above 100 percent, that this this is actually when you take into account uh, inflation and when you take into account the uh, the the increases on uh, on capital gains and the way capital gains are assessed. This could be a monumentally important thing to know about and see and I think resist. Uh, yeah, and, and there, you know, it's all part of this uh, this plan too uh, about um, trying to tax your unrealized gains That's as right. well. Yeah, and so a realized gain would be, you know, you've heard the expression, "Hey, I haven't lost anything until yeah. I actually sell it," right? And you haven't gained anything until you've actually right. sold it, right? So, uh, but what if at the end of a year you had to take what the current value of that account is and pay the appropriate taxes on it, right? Uh, and then um, that account value goes down the next year, you sell something. You you actually could wind up paying more mm-hmm. in taxes than your actual earnings would be. This is a real issue. I don't think, Seth, I can't imagine, I would hope not, but I would I would hope that this something like this would not pass. Yeah, I think it stops in the House. I, I believe so. Uh, and I, I think a lot of our, you know, uh, government, um, you know, people that we put up in Washington also, they're in the same position we are. And, yep. and you know, oftentimes they're never going to vote to hurt their own wallets. That's right. Uh, so I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's, it's just like this, this, this talk about no higher, taxing yeah. the, uh, S corporations, yes, right. you know, uh, many of the current politicians have S corporations and they, they take, take the, um, opportunity to utilize the current tax law, uh, and take money uh, in the form of maybe a payroll, but then also distribute the profits of That's a corporation right. at a lower tax rate. Right. So I don't believe that this is something that really will 
gain much in the way of any type of uh, backing good. Uh, long term. Good, good. I hope not. No, no, no. Good analysis. And <laughs> it's going to kill investing. Good, it would kill well, investing. Yeah, no, it would kill the economy. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, so. Joe. Well done. You bet. Again, if folks have questions uh, for me, they can go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Request an appointment right there. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finman Tippic, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you, John. You. Thank Bye-bye. you. You've probably been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it could mean to invest with them, feel free to give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. They will happily put you in touch with any number of their many satisfied customers in the Phoenix area who have very successfully been investing with them. And they'd like me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Jason is in Phoenix. Hello, Jason. Hey, Seth. How are you? Oh, good. You can hear me? I can hear you. I just wanted to call and let you know I just cast my vote for Sam Stone. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. He is such a great candidate. Let's uh, hope for the best on this one. And for those of uh, in in District 6 uh, who haven't voted yet, didn't return their mail-in ballots or go to the polling um, polls just yet, they are open until 7 tonight. So, Jason, thank you. Thank you very much. I was hoping to see more people there, Seth. It's just a low turnout election, right? I mean, these that's that's the problem with some of these municipal elections uh, that we do off off season or off 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 even years. But um yeah, they they're just always going to be a little bit lower turnout. Um but for those that haven't don't let that stop you. It just means you'll get through there faster, doesn't it, Jason? Yeah, yeah, I got in and out. Yeah. Real quick. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having them on your show. You betcha. I'm glad you had him on the show. Thank you. Yeah, good guy. Just a good guy. And you're a good man for doing that. Thank you for being an active citizen and reporting in. Thank you very much. Uh, Ray is in Mesa. Hello, Ray. Good afternoon, Seth. How are you? Hey, uh, I want you to feel responsible with the clean car causing the weather. Yeah, you Uh, did it too? It might might be me. I have uh, (laughs) drinks. Baseball tickets for tomorrow. Afternoon. Oh yes! So you and I may have uh, we we can forego the rain dance. We did our duty. Okay. Right. So we'll have to share the blame. Yes. Okay. Hey, uh, I, I heard you reference in an earlier uh, segment uh, the FBI's uh, erstwhile what you called Cointel Pro uh, fiasco, and it's actually uh, an acronym that's pronounced. Co-intel because it's counterintelligence, right? Yeah, I've always done that wrong. I, you're right to catch me and call me on it. I knew it when I said it. I know it every time I do it, and you're right. It's a, it's a verbal tick of mine. It is Co-intel Pro. You're absolutely right. Well, well, the important is that the FBI is like a bad poker player. They, they have tells when they create the acronyms for cases. Yeah, yeah. Their tell is that counterintelligence is uh, aimed at uh apprehending and prosecuting criminal spies yes and that's that's their that's their framing of the american citizen that's right and even though the church even though the church committee 
went after them, they never dismantled the FBI. No, they did not. No, and they just they call it subversion. They, yes, absolutely, Ray. That's a, that's absolutely right. But don't you remember? I mean, I don't know how old you are, but don't, you sound like you're at least my age. Don't you remember? This was a big deal in the 70s, these hearings and exposure of all this stuff, wasn't it? It was a big deal, and all it did was drive the FBI underground. Yeah. They, 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 they went radio silent for 35 years doing the same doggone things, and they don't have to collate the blackmail files anymore. Social media accounts do that for them. And what they did is they infiltrated social media management, and they uh, are collecting files against every American citizen that speaks out against them. It's worth doing uh, from time to time. People uh, try and you know they 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 file requests, FOIAs, and others to get their to get the uh, the records on them. And it, it's kind of an interesting thing when some of these people what they what they see that the FBI knew about them. It's kind of an interesting thing. But but the That's point is, it, at, at least once upon a time in our lifetimes, there was shame over this sort of thing. There was shame about it, yeah. and both parties resented it. Exactly, and now now they now they try to frame persons who speak up for their freedom yes. as being as being dissenters. Yes, it is subversive to attend. It is subversive. It is subversive to attend a school board meeting and argue against critical race theory and lockdowns. That's what they consider subversion. So, so I would consider it the height of Americanism. Absolutely. Pay attention to their uh, to their penchant for uh, cranky acronym. Yeah, because okay. those acronyms <laughs> those acronyms reveal their culture. The tell is in the acronym. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah. No. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it very much. Bruce is in Mesa. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Seth. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, I was listening to your conversation there with John and. Uh, your concerns with the uh, capital gains tax. Yeah. And the way the politics are connected to this and this Marxian takeover that we're all experiencing in this country today, this is the shot across the bow for the elimination of private property. Mm -hmm. We all know that 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 is the biggest, the the head of the laundry list of Mm -hmm. the Marxists is private property needs to be eliminated. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. No, it's a good point. That is the wholesale. That is the wholesale ideology that explains the retail policy of going after things like this. And that is exactly correct. That's what's going on. Because when you, you know, when you brought up issues like this, like me having this discussion with you today, mm-hmm. um, five years ago, ten years ago, I, somebody like me might have called in, and we would have had a conversation about critical race theory going into schools of gender ideology being part of yeah. the political landscape or being put into the schools, yeah. and we'd have been called conspiracy. Yeah, theory. exactly right. And now here it is. And here we are. Well, is this the shot across the bow? No, Bruce, I think you're, uh, I, I want to thank you for that point, and let, it, let, let us do remember, when we discuss these policies, I kind of tr- try and drag our show back to the point of durables, or the wholesale uh, philosophy, or the wholesale back, uh, the backstop of what is in front of the, what is behind these policies, what is behind these retail, uh, retail revelations over them, and it's important that we understand where it's coming from and what the ideology is. And Bruce, connect that to my to my monologue uh, a few segments ago in the opening segment, where I think it's. Uh, 
foolish at best, I'll just say it that, uh, to put it no higher, foolish at best for people carrying the name conservative or the mantle or identity conservative to say that socialism is in retreat and on the wane in the Democratic Party. Uh, it is anything but, and you're pointing out the, uh, the wholesale reasoning behind some of these policies is yet another good example of it. Uh, private property is, of course, the enemy of socialism. How did Abraham Lincoln? You want a good Lincoln quote? This is one we don't use very often. I love Lincoln. You want a great one? The strongest bond of human sympathy outside of the family relation should be one uniting all working people of all nations, tongues, and kindreds. Nor should this lead us to a war upon property or the owners of property. Property is the fruit of labor. Property is desirable. Property is a positive good in the world. That some should be rich shows that others may become rich and hence serves as just encouragement to industry and enterprise. Let not him who is houseless pull down the house of another, but let him labor diligently and build one for himself, thus, by example, assuring that his own shall be safe from violence when built. Thank you, Bruce. As we had a caller a uh, few calls ago reminding us about the nature of our government engaging in domestic surveillance on its citizens, this is a debate, of course, that has um, that has been with us probably ever since. Well, at least a debate that we learned about probably ever since World War One. When we started learning about things like the Espionage Act and one of the interesting things about these Democrats who are now leaving the Democratic Party saying the Democratic Party left them interestingly connects to that very issue, connects to that very issue, especially this Maude Marin person I'm quoting from the New York Post today who wrote that she is leaving the Democratic Party because of the way the House Judiciary Committee treated Matt Taibbi uh, and Michael Schellenberger last week, trying to literally trying to protect the government, trying to protect the government in its efforts to censor opinion of the American people that they didn't like. This was, of course, as I said, a big deal once upon a time here in this country. And it seems to just go along with, at best, passing interest that the chorus of Democrats on the Judiciary Committee deployed three tactics, denying the severity of the censorship, belittling the right not to reveal sources, and laughably asserting that journalism has no right to turn a profit. These are standards that they would never apply to the Washington Post or the New York Times, ever. And these are standards that, if deployed by a Republican administration, would be the cause for not only a great deal of reporting, but a great deal of reporting that would be rewarded with Pulitzer Prizes. This is not a theoretical point. I've seen it. We've all seen it in our lifetimes. We saw it in the 70s. 
We saw it in the 2000s. The Democrats haven't just created a party that is no longer representative of longstanding members of the Democratic Party. The Democrats have created a party that is literally not Democratic. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 